0: Welcome to the final Retail Smarts podcast for 2021. This week, our guest is Alice Barbary, the CEO of Universal Store. Hi, Alice.
1: Hello, Dominique. How are you today?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to have you on our show. Um, We have been running this series now for a little while and um, there's never enough female CEOs. So it's it's wonderful to have someone with such experience um, on our show. Alice, how did you get into retail?
1: So the way most people get into retail, um, I was at university and I needed a job, and it was quite funny because I was I was a bit astute to the fact that uh, different people in the department store that was close to where I was living. Um, I could tell that they had different uh, types of activities that they would do and I learned very quickly in talking to the then personnel manager, so giving it away a bit how long ago that was, um, that some people got commission and some people didn't and I thought, well, I want one of those roles. So it was either footwear or cosmetics and um, I thought well, cosmetics sounds better than feet and uh, it really isn't necessarily. I've come to learn but um, and then the Clinique, team had those white coats and I didn't have very much in in my wardrobe and I thought well I'm getting commission I'm covering up the fact that I can wear the same clothes to work every day I'm going there and uh, I didn't get the first interview and so I thought, nope, I'm coming back. <laughs> and I think this is the persistence. I wore them down and that was my first ever retail job. And uh, I didn't plan on making it a career, but I fell in love with it. I really did. I just I loved everything about it.
0: And what did you love about it?
1: I loved the fact that uh, it was An absolute reflection of society. So you got everybody. You got to talk to people all day. You got to also understand what made the business tick. So you, um, you know, there are 150 kinds of red in lipstick, right? Who ever even thought about that? So I found that side of it interesting. I found this, you know, the fact that their skincare customers were different to color customers. Just, just how how they got the ordering right. So from front end to back end, I just started to realize it was a whole world um, in in something that transactionally, as a customer, looks very simple for me. It's really
0: exciting. I think Um, it's funny because you know cosmetics plays such a big um, part of understanding. I guess what's happening in the economy so I don't know if you've heard this fact about the purchase of lipstick but even in war times women go and they buy lipstick as opposed to buying you know a whole range of items on your clothes amongst other things because it's meant to be that one thing that makes you feel um, good and so it's a really good indicator as to how the economy is going did you experience that when you were in cosmetics?
1: Absolutely, it, it's because it, nobody really wants to go all the way to the shopping center and leave empty-handed. So they look for something that is affordable but has real bang for the buck. And lipstick was definitely that. And I actually thought about during you know, mask wearing how that would have impacted because I know I wasn't wearing as much lipstick because it would end up all over your mask. Um, so I thought that that would be a, what, what what's going to be the new lipstick. Um, but the other thing that I really love about retail and cosmetics or any any kind of retail, and it really got under my skin, was that every day you wake up, you're at zero. So even if you had a bad day yesterday, today's a new day. And even if you had a great day yesterday, you got to let it go because you're starting at zero every day. And I know in the short stint that I had outside of retail, I felt a bit... Um, unsettled because I wasn't getting that quick fix of how did I go today? How did I go today? And how, what are our results? So um, I think the combination of the customer, the product, and the way, and just the, you know, getting those immediate um, their feedback on your KPIs on, a, on an hourly basis, you know, it's just um, yeah, it's just exhilarating. Love it.
0: It's definitely addictive, and it's funny. I think that that true. Um nature of a merchant. So Bob Swartz, who is the, one of the founders of Nordstrom.com talks about this concept of, you know, if you're a merchant, you're a merchant and you can sell anything and you're kind of addicted to that, um, that sale. And it doesn't really matter what you're selling, you find a way to sell it. And then it's all about that kind of, you know, obviously all those endorphins that you get from convincing somebody to purchase something, Um, do you think that that has kind of led you to Universal Store or how did you end up at Universal Store?
1: A couple of things on that. I think that that's morphed a bit between you can sell anything. Uh, What I'm seeing now, that the the younger generation that's getting addicted to retail, it's about meeting customer needs and it's moved from sort of that – you know, I've, I've almost convinced you to get something you didn't want to. I've helped you build your self-esteem. I've convinced you you can wear skinny jeans or you can wear something with it, a waist, but you, let me show you how to do it. Or, you know, you can um, afford to, to, to take that holiday. I think, I think it becomes more about, about really meeting other people's needs. And I, and I really have seen society kind of move along that. Just the greedy retailer of, the, of old is actually struggling right now, more so than the ones who are, at, who are staying current with customer needs.
0: So I think you're absolutely right on that first part, though. I mean, if you have a look at obviously the impact of consumer activism and, you know, the need for consumers to have their values reflected in a brand and how they will leave a brand yeah. if they do the wrong thing for at least six months to punish you unless you're going to own that apology and make those changes and, you know, reform. You know, whether it's sustainability, whether it's supply chain, whether it's equality, whether it's a slogan on a t shirt, you know, it, they're big, it, it's certainly a big price to pay now, especially in a world that is so much online. You know, I think you're absolutely right that it has shifted from, I'm convincing you to buy something as opposed to having your values reflected in something or achieving an alternate outcome by like engaging.
1: I couldn't agree more. And, And again, I think that that leads into how did I end up at Universal Store? I've always felt so passionate about that and I didn't always jive with old school retailers that were discrediting the value of customer relationship or discrediting the value of employee relationship. And so... um, in the kind of, uh, here I was in Brisbane, um, I'd, I'd left an organization where I, there was a serious values outage for me. It doesn't make them wrong and me right. It just means not a great marriage. So I had this opportunity. The business only had four stores when I first met them. The opportunity to craft a culture from the ground up is one of the most delicious opportunities that could have ever been afforded to me. And I will forever be grateful for that. And You'd usually only get to do that if if you take the capital risk yourself. Um, But here I didn't have to take the capital risk and I was getting a hold of the reins, particularly around culture, how we spoke to customer, who we hire, how they think. You know, when does that come along? And I... I've been driven from the very beginning to repaying people who have invested in me as a thank you, if nothing else. And I feel that way about my team. You're selling me bits of your life, and I'm giving you some coin. I want you to leave feeling that you've been more invested in than that. Um, definitely to the owners who had the business in the first place. You know, to see their investment realised was was great. And for our consumer, if you're coming in, yeah, we can we can sell you a vending machine transaction. I want that shoe in red and size 10 here it is give me the money buy that's a vending machine how do i enhance your experience for having been good enough to come to see us today so it comes from a really different place and now that we've listed that's exactly how i feel about our investors you know i want i want them to be able to go back and brag that they made an investment universal store and and you know feel feel confident that it paid off so that's really what kind of drives us
0: and how does universal store change that transactional nature of fashion
1: i think it's about the the welcoming environment you know if we've always said if it says universal over the door everybody's welcome and we tried to get away in the 90s and early 2000s from that you're judging you looking you up and down are you cool enough to be here which is you've been cool you've been kind enough to come see us how can we help you know um and and of course you're cool enough and you know just by the nature by the virtue of that you exist you're good enough and I just think it, it you know we hire a different kind of person and I always say I try to hire the nicest kids we can find not the coolest kids we can find and, and yeah, so, so I think that makes a difference, you know, making grandma and grandpa feel welcome when they come in at this time of year at Christmas with their iPhones and they're, they're uncomfortable in the environment. And one of the kids says, You've got a picture of your grandson. Let's have a look. You know, oh, I know that I get this kid. I know what he's, uh, let me just put it together. And then if they bring that home on Christmas Day, that gets opened up. And that's the coolest grandma. Where is she going to go for the 18th, the 21st, the graduation? So, you know, you do it for all the right reasons and you finally get paid back tenfold.
0: And so how do you find the nicest kids?
1: I just think through the hiring process, you know. I think it's really important that the people that currently work there um, exude that. And so if someone starts to kind of gossip, they just go, oh, look, we don't really do that here. Um, So if if they want that kind of environment, they tend to self-select out pretty quickly and, you know, most kids. I think. I think the I think the youngins right now are some of the nicest kids I have seen. And I know Dom. I think I was talking to you about how how rare it is in Universal Store to have a customer interaction um, on the negative side, particularly around COVID and mask wearing and checking IDs. It seems that you know it's the forty plus year olds that, that are that are very difficult. But my eighteen to twenty five year olds are no problem. So I think I think there is a kindness that's coming through. I know there's bullying, and I know that there are things that go on. I'm talking it with a broad brush I think most of the kids are pretty
0: cool. I think though. So. You know whilst obviously you have a kind culture and it is generational i mean it's very hard to hire staff i mean not only because we have a skill shortage but i think you know just simply by nature of the way that teams operate in different stores and different locations etc do you have a a magic touch when it comes to recruiting do you have a you know a theory that you use you know is there something that i guess our, our listeners would be able to implement in their businesses
1: Yeah, look, I'm I'm still a fan of the three hour paid trial. Uh, You know, we've had different people come along and in different departments, and you know, kind of pull out their magic hat and go, Ah, I'm going to save you a fortune. And I go, How are you going to save me a fortune? You don't need to do these trials. They're really expensive. They're time consuming. They're labor intensive. It's like, Yeah, they are, but so is terminating someone and having disciplinary conversations and getting it wrong and then the cost to your customer. So when you're when you're using the trial, it, it It really is about setting the person up for what we're going to be trialing, what your expectations are, giving them a a limited scope of responsibility in that trial, and then telling them you're going to provide feedback because everyone says in an interview, I love getting feedback. I love it. I love it. And then when you give it to them, you can kind of get an eye roll or a, a harumph or whatever. And so when we give people feedback, we observe how quickly they implement it and even if they don't do a great job the fact that they can hear the feedback and attempt to implement it that's 80 percent of a green tick right there And just the way that they engage with the rest of the team then and are they willing to ask for help, we're not expecting them to come in and be able to do the job, but we're coming in and we're observing how they work with the team. And in in big group hiring, um, if we're doing uh, Christmas casual hiring and we're doing group interviewing, paying more attention to the interplay amongst the team as opposed to how they address seniors, I think those things are important. Having good 2ICs in a business, 2ICs, more of what's going on in a shop floor than store managers and training your two ICs up to be good at hiring and and good at induction, I think. And they'll, they'll pick up
0: on those vibes as well. It's really interesting. And I guess, you know, back to your previous comment about building a culture from the ground up. I mean, how do you keep that culture of values and, you know, thanking people for, you know, coming to you or for choosing to come to the store for the day. I mean, how do you ensure that everybody from, you know, kind of that that new Christmas casual through to, you know, head office, you know, walk to the same drama or or at least a consistent one?
1: Well, I'd I'd like to pretend we get it right all the time, but of course we don't. We just do respond quickly when we realise we've we've made an error. But we have these, like, really cool... um, show value cubes and they've got our values on it and so we roll it every day and then that's the that's the value everyone's going to work on that day and we're gonna we're gonna track for that we're gonna play with that how can you demonstrate care for everyone how can you be here to help what can you do today that's better than good how can you contribute And so if you're continually using the language and it's embedded in your culture and not just a a plaque that sits on the back of the wall that's got dust on it, you know, how do you bring culture to life every day? I think that that's got to be in everyone's hands. So it can't just be in one person's hands. And I think you've got to take Ego out of your business. And and again, if we hearken back to the retailers of the 70s and 80s and you know early 90s, it's it's sort of top-down and very um, I am the big boss and and you know, you should all bow and scrape, where it's very much, you know, I work with the team. Little things like that are symbolic though. You know, all my area managers go into a store, particularly on busy times, and will say to the store manager, if I could do one thing for you today. That would reduce your stress. Anything, what would it be? And even if it's the, you know, oh, I haven't been able to get the rubbish out, or I've, I've got to get the banking, or it doesn't matter how menial or how big it is, I'm struggling with my rosters. Anything that we demonstrate that we can do to take some stress off that manager, to allow them, free them up, they're, they're just so symbolic and so important. So I spent last Saturday um, in the distribution center. It's symbolic. You know, we had a lot of product in. We had a lot of Black Friday sales to fulfill. It does not hurt me to come in and spend a morning running stock. It just it doesn't. I didn't take the big job. I took the lowest job. This is probably the only one I could have done to be honest. Um but I think you look for symbolism from all your leaders. And if if they're not willing to do that then you've got the wrong leaders in place.
0: I really I love the idea of the values cube um and you know and getting everybody to work on that every day because it's funnily enough, it's something that whenever I get asked to do those speeches that you get asked to do as a, a female CEO. I talk about how I ended up here and one of the ways that I ended up here was that I started with a bodybuilding team and part of that process was that um, you would go through a sports psychology type scenario and you would in effect pick five words that you wanted to describe yourself or you wanted other people to think about when they thought of you and basically you hold yourself accountable to those five words and I use that all the time in the sense of I set my five words that are non-negotiable that I hold myself accountable to. And so if I ever struggle with a decision, I ask myself, you know, would a kind person make this decision? Would a calm person make this decision? Would a determined person make this decision? And what you're doing with the cube is actually not dissimilar except that it creates this amazing ripple effect um, across the business, which I think is so interesting um, and such a great way to keep an entire Organization engaged in that way, um, and you know, and I don't think that all businesses or many businesses, in fact, spend enough time on ensuring that that you know that baseline value system flows. Throughout the organisation, you know they do the branding and the social media, and they do all of the community stuff, but they don't focus on those those values systems. Which, I mean, obviously you, you have successfully done, um, and it has created incredible dividends. What has the listing process been like for you as a CEO? Um,
1: um, look, and doing it during COVID was bizarre as well. Um, look, uh, what wh- like everything you gain something and you lose something and you just got to negotiate what it is that you're willing to lose. Um, So I've gained personally, I've gained a lot of knowledge. I am, my learning curve was, Deep, uh, but I was really interested in it and uh, some of it I was reluctant it's a lot of time with investors but again that's just fascinating um, that's a whole new fascinating part of the industry that I'd never really spent much time with but it means that I don't get as much time on the shop floor and it means I don't get as much time with, with my team in store world but I also have extraordinary talent in the business and people who um you know we didn't spend all of our time and effort externally marketing we spent a lot of time internally marketing so trusting in your team and and it's so important if values are going to to last they can't just be in a couple of pairs of hands they've got to be in in as many hands as, as you can possibly put them in and so i've been really pleased about the opportunities it's created for my team to step up as well because it just meant I I couldn't do some of the things that I love doing Um, I can't spend as much time doing it and so that that sense of trusting the team and you know darn it some of them are better than I was (laughs) things which is great and wonderful but yeah it's been a big learning curve but but certainly a valuable one and just to kind of harken back a little on what you're talking about. If you ever want to watch my face split open and fire shoot out, call this stuff that we're talking about soft skills. I literally lose my mind and you don't want to be within like arm's reach of me. I will snatch you. Uh, And it always drives me nuts because the opposite of soft is hard and the opposite of hard is easy. So people then draw the, the link that soft is easy. And not, not as valuable. It's um, it's feminine, so it's not as valuable. Uh, we're hard as masculine, soft is feminine. And I always think, you know, if this stuff was easy, there would be no divorce. All adult siblings would get together every Christmas uh, and would talk to each other regularly. We would have no neighborhood disputes. We wouldn't have QAnon. We wouldn't have, you know, all kinds of, 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 of societal disruption. If just stepping up and being able to say, actually, I disagree with you, and they go, oh, wow, tell me about that. I'm really interested how you're seeing it. If we could do that as a society, wouldn't things be better? And if you run a business that is as is, is free of fear as we can make it and, and where dialogue and dis, disruption and discord don't knock you off your perch and COVID has been the greatest challenge of all, and were you able and adaptable, or were you rigid and did you struggle? And if we look at the most recent markdowns that retailers have taken over this Black Friday, Cyber Monday month, as opposed to two individual days, I treated them as two individual 20% off days, not 40% off for a month. How do you pivot? You do it when you've got a pro-perceptive, cohesive team, not a bunch of people arguing and fighting with each other and panicking and flailing. So I am passionate about culture and values and teamwork.
0: Look, okay, and, and I, think you're, I think you're 100% right. I was reading something about, you know, a couple of different styles of, of kind of leadership and there, you know, it is obviously that, that coercive style that creates a fear pattern where people are told what to do and told what to think. And, you know, if you step outside of that line, then you don't fit in or, or there are repercussions or there's a whole raft of other things. And so people are so terrified that they don't come up with ideas or there is this autonomy approach where you give people as much autonomy as they possibly want and amazing things happen because they aren't fearful. And that creation, I guess, of security. More than anything else, the security to be vulnerable, the security to say I'm struggling, the security to say actually I have this really great idea, what do you think, creates amazing things. And, of course, you're right, you know, when we talk about those old retailers or the way people have run businesses before getting them to that new space or even getting them interested in so-called soft skills. It can be hard, but the, the benefits if you can grow a culture like that and not only have it at the top with yourself, but have it embedded in a team so that you can step away and do bigger things, it really just creates an incredible succession plan and I think that that's what more retailers need to do because we're not good at succession planning. We're not good at growing young people and keeping them and putting them into leadership roles. We lose them at particular stages and we're particularly bad at growing young women because we don't mentor them, right?
1: If anyone asked me the secret to team retention, it's
0: autonomy. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's huge massively
1: want to contribute they want to put something back in they don't want to just be told what to do and execute you say jump I say how high like um, that's dead that is I mean that is even the military doesn't think that way anymore so why is the retail why 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 are retailers thinking that way You know, I always say, if you never argue with me, why are you here?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And you do want to, yeah, it's it's good to have, I think, differences of opinion. And they say that to get a 20% better outcome, you need the seven different problem solving minds at a table. And you're absolutely not going to get that with the same people or with the same type of people at a table. You need lots of different perspectives and different backgrounds and people from different places to get that outcome. So, you know, it's... Yeah, look, retailers, we'd be nothing without our teams. We'd be nothing without people in store, with the distribution centres, with all of those things. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't do everything on your own. You, you need teams of people to work on those things.
1: And they need to work collaboratively and, and, and by the way that you structure KPIs and, and short-term incentives, you know, they need to be more company-focused than individually focused um, because, you know, if... if, if if we don't have a, a, an overarching company kpi then people aren't going to drop what they're doing to help you because they'll, that that helps you but it hurts me and that that that's not I mean, competition, like, it, it's not in my house. I don't want to have it in, in my house. Competition is external to us. It's not in here. You know, we are collaborative in here. And if it's best for the business that we drop that project for a while and we put more resources on another project, then that's what we do. And that is recognized in
0: remuneration structure. And with competition being external, retail is notorious for having aggressive competitors. How do you deal with that aggression?
1: If you don't know who you are, you are much more likely to be buffeted by aggressive competition. And you've got to back yourself and, and run your own course. And the first thing you need to do is take ego out of your work and recognize that, that whatever result you got, no matter how good it, it might have been, uh, you didn't do it. And it's, and it's not a reflection of you. So don't nominalize yourself you're bigger than that, and stop with every result that you get, whether it's a Christmas or a sale period or a product launch, whatever you're doing, and do a really good post-event wrap-up. What, what did we miss? Even if it's the best result you ever had, where could we have been better? Did we have enough product? Did we have it in the right place? Uh, did we have the right people? Who was in that store? What did we learn about that team's capabilities? Whatever. Uh, marketing, all of it and tear it apart and polish, polish, polish. You never finished. And that way, you know, because a couple of years ago, what did we have? Beautiful brands, international brands, and all of us local retailers were going to die. Well, when you bring people into a center, because they're excited that an international retailers come, then it's just my job to do my best. And so if more people are coming to the center, I just want to go and thank them for opening because they brought more people into the center today. And then it's my job to capture them through what I'm doing and create more customers for life. Brilliant. Bring it on. Um, But if you saw that as a threat and the only answer you've got is marking your product down, you're already dead in the water. And that's always been my view. If that is all you've got is changing your prices, you're not looking at the big picture. And there's so much more to winning a customer's heart and mind than price.
0: It's such, you know, that's such a powerful, I think, message, you know, obviously not only for a a business or for a retailer, but in effect, what you're saying is come at these things from, you know, love in a a sense, like you admire what they do, you see what they do and, and and you're grateful for what opportunities it provides you, regardless of perceived opportunities might be removed. Because at the end of the day, having more people in the ecosystem, having a healthy retail industry is better for everybody. As opposed to just trying to carve each other up and, and making commodities out of products that people commit their whole lives to designing and, and making beautiful things, you know, meeting people's value propositions. And, you know, there is so much more, I, I guess, as you say, just a war on price. It, it is about so much more community interaction, jobs, livelihoods, all sorts of things. And I think that is missed. as definitely missed by some of our industry, which is, you know, unfortunate because, we are the second largest employing industry in the country, right? Like we we have quite a lot to say when it comes to the economy and we need a healthy retail industry. We need more jobs we need more healthy businesses and the ecosystem's big enough. It's just about how you do business right?
1: It's differentiation is really important you, you, you know if you're doing the same thing as someone else then chances are yeah price is all you've got. So how do you how do you how do you make it unique to you and how do you reach out to the consumer? You can't find an ancient text that doesn't have a reference to a marketplace. A marketplace is always a place where people gather, where people come together, where people share. And whether it's digital or whether it's physical, it's a place where people will come. And and why does somebody buy olives from that guy and not from that guy? Location, quality, uh, he remembers your name, he makes you feel good. And maybe you go, you know what I know is is olives are 50 cents more, but it's a better experience and are the better quality or the, you know I don't have to stand in the hot sun. Like everything matters. And the old thing about retail is detail. It absolutely is. But it's also big picture. It's also why why do you show up? And I think in leadership, you have to be optimistic. I think pessimistic leaders are are dangerous because they they kind of devolve, if you will. And you've got to constantly be thinking about the environment that you're creating for your team every day to make them want to come and and make your customer feel great. So in, in this business... Anyone in finance, marketing, uh, IT, uh, any department uh, where a distribution center, if, if they call stores, I have everything to say about the way they use their mouth and their language. Because a kid in a store can make a really big mistake and it could cost you half a day's work. It really can. But when you put the phone down with that person, they're either going to greet or ignore a customer how you make them feel is how they're going to make the customer feel. So is is your purpose for calling that person to belittle them, make them feel bad, or is it to retrain them so you don't have this problem again? So who you hire in back of house impacts so much on who's in front of house and, and then that impacts the consumer. So everyone here actually understands that they have a thread to that customer
0: interaction such wise words. And of course we knew, we knew having you on that, you would have so much to say about these topics. And I'm sure our listeners will be, you know, as, um, as just, you know, I guess in awe of all the things that you do, Alice. But one of the things that I've been doing before the end of these is asking people what they're reading. What are you currently reading?
1: This is quite funny. Uh, I'm I'm actually—I've promised myself I would read more, just either classics or or fun things, because I've read so many business books, particularly you know how to be a listed CEO and all (laughs) these things. I'm actually reading one of the original Sherlock Holmes books, which is really cool. Um, the Scarlet Something. I've, I've actually got a picture of it. Oh, fantastic. Um, just to remind myself of what it was called. But but anyway, it's one of the, the Arthur Conan Doyle, um, Sherlock Holmes books and I'm loving it. Yeah, I, I'm just loving it. Great to take your head out of, especially at this time of year. Last year at this time um,
0: uh, I read A Christmas Carol. I'm all for pulling your head out of business at this time of year, but we've got a little way to go and, and obviously we're, very excited about our our Christmas predictions so I think at this point in time Australians are set to spend about 60 billion dollars nationally Black Friday and side of a Monday looked very good it was about 5.6 billion dollars 2 billion online so you know it is looking up but we certainly wish you all the best you know with your team and and everything during the Christmas period and and look I'm sure we will touch base and and get you back on our podcast soon so thank you for spending time with us today and for imparting all of your amazing knowledge.
1: Oh, you're very kind. Thanks very much for having me and have a great Christmas. Thanks for listening. The Retail Smarts Podcast will return in February 2022. Stay up to date with everything retail at nra.net.au. Want to know more about the Australian retail industry? Visit nra.net.au for more insights just like these.